Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I'd like to open with a word of prayer first. Father God, I just uh, thank you for the day. Uh, thank you for the chance to come in and worship, uh, to talk about how great you really are, uh, to sing those praises, uh, to hear those words, God. Uh, we do need to be reminded. Um, as we gather today, I just pray that your spirit would fill this place, uh, that the words that are spoken would be words that you want, that you would touch our hearts today. Amen. Um, my wife went and helped uh, pack some of those shoe boxes, and uh, she came home and told me the, uh, the, the large total that uh, the 786 boxes were packed. That one blew my mind, and I'm just thinking, holy cow, what a, uh, what a ministry was going on here with our church and broader with the uh, Operation uh, Christmas Child uh, for them to uh, organize that. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is the, is the one that kind of did that, and I mean, I knew that our, our church gathers stuff throughout the year uh, to do this event, right? And um, so it got me thinking, Samaritan's Purse, how does that, why, why that name kind of thing? Uh, I didn't actually uh, go to their website to find out, but I kind of had a guess uh, that it was probably something to do with uh, the Good Samaritan. Um, so I told Scott, as uh, you know, any person would there, Scott, you should preach on something about the Good Samaritan. And uh, he said, that's a great idea. Here you go. So, and I, I gladly take that because I do. I want to find out. Like, they take this name Samaritan's Purse. There's, there's got to be something in that story. So finding out what that backstory is and everything like that. And also just how embedded uh, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan story is in our culture as well. Uh, there's the hospital over in Portland, you got Good Sam, or I think they just call it Samaritans now. But also you've got uh, like the Good Samaritan Law that was passed. I don't know if you guys are aware of that one where it uh, gives rights to someone else who helps another person kind of thing. Um, so that idea just, uh, I mean, it, it intrigued me. So looking in, seeing what that backstory is. And we're going to be turning to uh, Luke uh, chapter 10 verses uh, 25 through 36. So if you want to turn there in the Bible, if you don't have one uh, in the racks in front of you up here, down in worship two, and uh, the chairs right there, or there's also a note sheet in your worship folder you can look at. Um, before we read that, though, I kind of want to give us uh, a mindset of the audience that heard that story when Jesus told it. Uh, it's, it was a bunch of uh, first century Jewish people probably some other cultures in there as well, but that was primary. Uh, and there's going to be, like, there's three characters in the story. There's uh, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And if you've heard the story before, you know, at least a thousand times, we know that we, we, we picture the priest and the Levite, these are, these are the bad guys. And we picture the Samaritan, he's the good guy, hence the name Good Samaritan. But for the original listeners, what they hear is they hear priest and Levite. Good guys, they wear the white hats. Samaritan, bad guy. He wears a black hat. We don't like the Samaritans. Um, and I, I was wrestling with how can I bring it up into, into us today, in the 21st century? What's kind of the equivalent we can kind of think of so we can get the, the slap in the face that was what this story is? And I'm thinking that the, the, the best I could kind of think of is the priest and Levite. We're going to replace that with, um, with Pastor Scott and Pastor Mark, right? Don't, 
Don't, just go with the analogy for what it is, right? So when we hear the story, we're thinking, okay, Pastor Scott, Pastor Mark, right? And then we're, I was trying to think, well, what, what can I kind of associate with something that's not really looked highly upon? I'm thinking terrorist, drug dealer, just anybody that just gets under your skin that bugs the poo out of you. Just an, someone that you, you vehemently detest. I mean, that's what the Samaritans were, right? Um, the Jewish people did not like them. So, I mean, as we read this story, kind of have that in mind. When Jesus is telling it, the priest and the Levite are good people. The Samaritan is viewed as a bad person. So let's, uh, let's dive into that, um, see, what, uh, see what the scripture says. Uh, Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he, that's the, the, uh, the expert in the law, wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man... He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And so there we have it. Uh, we have the story of the Good Samaritan right there. And, and what is it we see? Um, and we see this expert in the law asking Jesus a good question. Hey, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him, well, what does it say in there? And he tells him, you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, bing, good answer. He tells him to do that and he'll live. And, and then the teacher, or the, uh, the expert, rather, um, asks a question. And I think we, uh, we all kind of want to ask it as well because we here love our neighbors. And we want to ask this question that we, we may already have our own answer right here, and we like this answer, but we want to, we were right on the last question. So let's, uh, let's see if we're right on this one. We want to justify what answer we have. So he, uh, he asks Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Expecting Jesus to go, oh, one two, three, four, right? Just kind of lay it out. These are who your neighbors are. But Jesus doesn't do that. He answers in the way that 
Jesus typically answers direct questions with an indirect story. It's not, it's not just the pat, oh, here's what you got to go do. Uh, he gives us an example. Uh, and we could just pull the moral straight out of the story. Oh, okay, we see someone in need, we go help them. All right, everybody's, everybody's good. And we can walk off with that, that alone. But I think if we do that, we miss more of what's there. I mean, we could just go straight moralist on it and say, here's a good thing we need to do, let's do it. But we miss God if we do that, I think. And so um, when the expert asks this question, uh, he puts himself in a very vulnerable place. Like, I mean, he's looking to justify himself. He wants to hear, you've got the right idea, you know, with what Jesus says. And he, he goes to this place where he could be wrong. And uh, he kind of finds out that he, he, he might be. So uh, why would he do that? Why would we want to do that? Uh, why should we want God to define who our neighbor is? Uh, simply put, it's this. Uh, only God can broaden our view of who our neighbor is, or who our neighbors are, I should say. Because we realize that our view of it our view of who our neighbor is could be very small. Uh, Jesus had some, some radical views back in that day, and I think they're still radical today. Um, I mean, there's that one to, to go and have mercy on, on anybody. Um, but if we, if we jump into, um, it's in Matthew, on the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of spoke on stuff too. Matthew 5, uh, 43 and 48, he says, You've heard it said... Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that is an amazingly broad scope there. I mean, at the start of it, what does he say? He says, uh, you've heard it said this, <clears throat> excuse me, to love, uh, love your neighbor, hate your enemies, and Jesus just blows that out of the water, makes it huge. And I think the, the Good Samaritan story, that ties into that as well. Uh, it's, it's crazy talk to, to love your enemies. I mean, yeah, sure, we can love those who love us, but uh, to bring it in and actually love those who we don't particularly want to love, the Samaritan, right? We don't want to go that way. And it kind of reminds me, and I don't mean to elevate these lyrics to that of Scripture, but it does remind me, I watched Sesame Street a lot when I was a kid. Sometimes still do, not the point. <clears throat> but in watching that, there are a few songs that got stuck in my head, one in particular, and I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. Uh, the lyrics are this. Who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. Oh, who are the people in your neighborhood? They're the people who you meet, when you're walking down the street, they're the people that you meet each day. And that kind of brings me back to what Jesus is saying. Who's your neighbor? We ask that question. 
look around. I mean, literally, right now, look around <laughs> at the people around you. These are your neighbors. Not just the guy living next door or across the street. Everybody around you. And I think it's interesting that uh, the Bible says uh, we are all made in the image of God. In Genesis, it says that male or female were both created in his image. And this is why it's a huge thing. Um, shouldn't we love what God has created in his image? And so I think it's, it's huge when Jesus asks, hey, who is, the, uh, who is the neighbor to the man who was beaten? And they said the one who had mercy on him. I don't know if the guy just didn't want to say the Samaritan because he didn't like him, but he, he says the one who has mercy on him. I mean, that should knock our socks off. I mean, think about that. Like, are the equivalents that we handed you, are we, me? <laughs> but uh, it's like if Scott and Mark, and I don't think that uh, the priest and Levite, why I say they're good in that, I don't think they, they wandered by because it was like, oh, he's, you know, we're being jerks, we don't want to help him. I think they were on their way to the temple, something like that. They had a priest doing his, his duties there. I mean, think if like Scott or someone had to get to the church, da 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 and I mean, he sees someone on the road. This priest saw the guy on the road. He's going to do the work of God in the temple, right? And if and maybe the guy is dead, he doesn't know, he doesn't see. He doesn't want to risk the, the chance of maybe being unclean so he can't serve God. His motives are good. He wants to serve God. If he helps this possibly dead person, he's disqualified. He can't serve God in the temple. So he passes by on the other side. Same with the Levite. Maybe he was going to the temple as well. Same reason. Was it, was it bad that they did that? I mean, we can go good and bad on that one and say, yeah, they were bad. But I think it wasn't so much as they were bad as it was a poor choice. A poor choice there. And so, um, I mean, it, it brings us to the question here, um, how do we act like the Samaritan? How is it that we can act out of mercy? And I think, um, I think the first answer to this one is we need to allow Christ to open our eyes. Kind of goes back to that, you know, why do we let God define who our neighbor is as opposed to ourselves? Uh, it's almost the same thing, but this, this answer, it requires something of us. I mean, we can hear, we can ask Jesus, hey, who's my neighbor? And he can tell us, and we can go, Okay. Or we can actually take that from here and go, okay, it's everybody around me to take it to, to our heart. Actually go, no, Jesus, you are right. I do believe that, and I think that is something we need to do. I mean, imagine how different the story would be if the Samaritan walked by too. Um, I mean, I don't know if it, uh, if it would have ended something like, and after everybody passed him by, uh, the beaten man died, and nobody cared. But a whole different story altogether. And it probably wouldn't have been called anything about the Samaritan. It probably would have been like, the, you know, the three jerks or something. <laughs> you know, like, how not to be a neighbor, you know, or something of that nature, where it's just like, but that didn't. That's not how Jesus told the story. The Samaritan stops. Uh, and I put this as, like, the first answer to that, how? Because... 
I think it's someplace we all need to start from. We need to allow Jesus to do that. It's that, uh, it's that coming to the realization that, that I could be wrong. And whether we've done that for like the first time, saying, Jesus, I need your help, or whether we're doing it for the thousandth time. And I'm not talking about uh, so much for the first time, yes, saving grace, but for the second, third, fourth, ad nauseum, just like we stumble and fall as people. We have a hard time with that. I know I do. So whether we're doing it for the first time or the thousandth time, just that refocusing, allowing Jesus to go, no, you need to, you're getting too close. You need to open up your scope of, of who neighbor is. So uh, with that, know that Christ came. He died and rose from the dead, showing us an example of how to do that. We need to not only um, have him change our view on who our neighbors are, but our views on everything else. We need to invite him to let him be king of our lives, to, to set those, those standards of, I mean, like in Matthew, you heard it was said X, I tell you Y. Right? Here it said, love your, love your uh, friends, hate your enemies. I'm telling you, love everybody. It's those kind of things. And that, uh, that kind of brings me to, to the how number two kind of thing. Be willing to sacrifice. So what was it that made the good Samaritan good, outside of us adding that word on there? It was that he showed mercy to the beaten man in the story. It's, he, he showed a willingness to actually give of himself. Right? Kind of, It's not in there, but you've got to kind of think on this journey. He obviously had a donkey. He had some goods on that donkey. It says he had oil and wine, right? And I don't know if he had a first aid kit with him and he was bandaging it that way or if he just went to like his cloak and, and ripped pieces off and bandaged the man, clothed him, uh, soothed him with those things, right? There were, he gave up his resources that way. Uh, he gave up comfort. He sacrificed that. Um, maybe he was using the donkey as a pack animal. Maybe he was riding the donkey. Uh, kind of looked up some images of land between Jerusalem and Jericho. Not my kind of walk. Really rocky. Uh, they, were, they were kicking around in sandals, probably not some good boots or anything, but your feet hurt after that. So, I mean, he gave up comfort of riding. He gave up his money, right? I shouldn't say gave up. He sacrificed his money. It says two denarii, and we're like, oh, two denarii. That's great. That's nice. How much is that? I don't know what your pay scale is, it's two days' wages is how much. One denarii, one day's wage. So we'll break it down. We'll just go, what, $9 an hour? Considering eight hours is a full day for our society. That's $144. This man was like, okay, this will pay his expenses. Hey, if you need anything else, put it on my tab. I'll pay it when I come back. So, And we're talking pre-tax dollars here. We're not talking take-home. We're just... <laughs> Right off the top. And, uh, and he gives that of him. And I think most importantly, the resource he gave up, he gave up his time in that as well. It says that the next day, implying he stayed the night with the guy who got beaten up. It wasn't just dump him off at the hotel, yeah, mule, you know, and back to the road. 
He cares for them. So with that, I mean, kind of what rings home for you? What, uh, when you hear those, it's what of those things, time, money, comfort? Uh, for me, it's comfort and time that just, I don't know, I don't necessarily like that one. It actually does remind me of a story that happened to uh, Cindy and I um, a couple years back. Um, imagine this. I'm going to say this in the, in the second person so you can really kind of live it. Imagine you've gone to bed late, and it's now 2.30 in the morning. It's quiet, dark, you're in your comfortable bed, and your phone goes off. It rings, or in my case, it vibrated, and that just wakes me up. And out of instinct, I don't, you know, just kind of turn it off. I actually answer it. Hello? And I hear on the other end, help me, and then the phone dies. Okay, that was the most interesting phone call I've ever had at 2.30 in the morning. But then it's like, I'm awake now. I can't just go back to sleep, and I check and see who it is, and I recognize the name on my phone, and I recognize the number in my half-awakeness, right? And it's my brother. It's like 2.30 in the morning. Oh, not just too early. I just went to bed a little while ago. I'm tired. But I call him back because you can't just you can't have a phone call like that. Uh, click, and it dies. You have to you have to know what goes on. So I called him back, and when he answers, it was kind of more of the same grunts and owns. And in asking questions, I find out he's riding his bike at night, trying to get home. Got hit by a car. Now he's in a ditch. Okay, where? <laughs> So we, I mean, we kind of we kind of figure out where, and at the wee hours of the morning, um, I like to think of this more of as an adventure than anything. Uh, Cindy and, and I drive out somewhere, and I don't even remember exactly where it is. I just know it's on five hundred three, somewhere between Brush Prairie and Battleground. Yeah, and it's dark, man. It was whew, it was rough to find that, but we found him. Kind of got got him taken care of. Um, Long story short, um, everything worked out well, and I mean, I, I can think of, uh, I mean, I can think of all the things that I, I, mean, I complained about at the time. I'll be honest, and I could continue to complain about it, but um, I don't think I, I can, because even if under those circumstances, sacrificing my comfort for sleep, sacrificing my time for sleep as well. Um, I want you guys to know that I would do it again under the same circumstances. My point on that is it is sacrifice. And in that para- in the parable, we see a parallel to Christ with the Good Samaritan. It's not that the Good Samaritan was just a good guy. It's like, oh, that's what it means to be a neighbor. Think about what Jesus gave up about the sacrifice he made. Uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh. Uh, early on in that chapter, uh, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word now becomes flesh. God made man a large step down. That's a 
bit of a sacrifice there. But uh, why would he become flesh and blood? Why? Jump over to Philippians uh, 2, 7 through 8. It says, He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. More sacrificing there. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Horrible way to die. So Jesus gives up heaven, a a perfect relationship with the Father and the Spirit, for what? To become a man. Just for the fun of it? No, I ask why, and it's like, because he loved us. I mean, you've got John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, his Son, shouldn't perish but have eternal life. That's a, that's a big reason. That's a, lack of a better term, a neighborly reason to step down. We needed this. And he does it so he can pull us into relationship with the Father and with the Spirit and with himself as well. Kind of think of it this way, if you want to put yourself in the uh, story of the Good Samaritan. We were walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. We got beat up. Christ came by, and it wasn't just like, stinks to be you guys. He stops, and he cares for us. Kind of makes my sacrifice of sleep and whatnot seem so small, because it was. So we go back and we think about uh, we think about what started the entire story, right? It wasn't the guy just didn't start. Hey, Jesus, who's my neighbor? He asks, "How do I inherit eternal life?" So I think that is the the crux of the matter here on getting that uh, question of who is my neighbor answered is how do I get eternal life, Jesus? And it is it's you love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, strength, everything that's in you, love God with that. And also, love your neighbor just as you love yourself. And we've kind of expanded on that neighbor. And while we, we can read that and we can go, hey, the, good, the story of the Good Samaritan, that is a good story. And that's what it is. It is a good story. What's better is what Jesus did do for us. He did step down from heaven. He did live his life among us. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was tired. He had sorrow. Probably more than we'll we'll grasp. But uh, his actions in real life way outweigh the story. And he died again just to bring us to God and to himself. Um, So can't think of anything to be thankful for on Thanksgiving, you have that. That Christ did come, die, and was uh, risen from the grave for you. And so this is what I want us to, uh, to kind of walk away with today. With Christ opening my eyes, I can love others. Because he takes whatever my sacrifices are and helps me to love like him. With Christ opening my eyes, I can love others because he takes whatever my sacrifices are and helps me love like him. Kind of with that said, 
just want to end with uh, a quote from my television neighbor, Fred. <laughs> won't you be, please, won't you be my neighbor? Let's pray. Jesus, you are truly amazing. That you would leave heaven uh, to call us your, your friends, to call us your neighbor, to show us what love truly is in that capacity. Father, I don't understand how all of that works all the time, but I just pray that you would uh, help us accept your view on things, that we wouldn't come to justify ourselves with our, our small answer, but that we would take it and we would see the larger. Uh, Father, be with us today as we, uh, as we aim to get closer to you. Help us draw near to you. In your son's name, amen.